welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Now, 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 I know what you're thinking. Cece, you sound shittier than usual. And I usually sound pretty shitty. So shitty. <laughs> well, we experienced some uh, technical technical glitches here on the highly advanced uh, studio of Sci-Fi Sidebar, of course. Um, yes. Signifying Nothing Studios is, is a pretty, pretty A-list production. And uh, unfortunately, we're not bringing the same quality that we're used to bringing you. It's because Cece is currently coming from my phone, which is next to my microphone on speaker, because her computer took a shit. Yeah, it was like, oh, you're finally ready to record? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no can do. Yeah, so, all right, I, we owe you all an explanation real fast before we start discussing 2001 Space Odyssey. Here's what happened. It's very long. Here's what also happened. There's not a lot of... You know, words. Here's the third thing that happened. It was hard to watch at night, which is basically the only time we have free time. So Yes. Here it, was my experience. <laughs> I, like, I was getting a really into it. I was like, okay, this is the first movie we're doing. I'm going to make sure it's, like, real atmosphere. I can, like, really focus in on it. So, like... So she dimmed the lights. Shut up. She... I turned off all the lights. Got a blanket, my laptop, and I was like, I'm ready. It was and dark she and cozy. <laughs> And that it was trans like that it was sleep. And then it was morning. <laughs> it like the first hour of the movie. <laughs> yes. My that excuse... led to an initial pushback of recording dates, uh, which was further lengthened by, again, just okay. tornado of scheduling difficulties. Yeah, I had to deal with something personal on my end on Sunday night so we could get that last ditch recording to you, and I was like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. I'll just record Monday afternoon while I'm in Pittsburgh and just ignore my girlfriend that I'm visiting for an hour. <laughs> Peter was ready to get in the doghouse for you guys. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but That's that didn't track either because then my work lost power and I had to deal with that shitstorm. Guys, like, really? It was ridiculous. God himself didn't want us to do this podcast, but we personally <laughs> He's like, please stop. I never said this was okay. <laughs> anyway... We're, we're sorry. We are we're sorry. We're still gonna record Dune and, and... Oh, I'm sorry. Our next topic is Dune. Oh, wait, shit! You guys don't have a lot of time to read that, huh? <laughs> we'll accept uh, cliff notes. What? We'll accept cliff notes. You can go ahead and read the cliff notes of Dune. Or watch the movie, although I have no idea how accurate this because I haven't finished reading the book yet, nor have I ever seen the movie. How about I just watch the movie and you read the book? <laughs> Sure. Uh, who knows what you'll get next week, but we're going to try really hard for you guys. We're going to try really hard, and you know what? It'll at least be kind of funny. Maybe. Yes. Or it'll be a piece of shit. I don't know. Hey, listen, so far I love it. It lives up to the hype. So, if you guys, I mean, to be honest, again, if you feel the same as Sniper Podcast, you've probably already read Dune, so I, I'm sure you guys will be fine. Alright, so. Not, you can always listen to it later because podcasts are not live. Anyway. What? What? Let's focus on today's topic. The film, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Not the book. Not the book. As we've learned, there is a distinction. The film was the real zeitgeist, so I feel comfortable Also, like, you know, it's the summer, it's time to give people a break, you know, everyone's getting tired of reading the books that they definitely read for us. 
We thought it would be nice to give you guys a movie you could, like, really easily fall asleep to if you haven't stopped me yet. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure our listeners were fine. This is and... our gift to you. You're welcome. <laughs> Much like all of our episodes, it's really easy to fall asleep to. <laughs> um, yes. Alright, so, so... Did you, like, have any idea what to expect in this no one today? No idea. What were you going into it expecting? I go into this movie going, it's a sci-fi movie... It's like premier sci-fi. Like it's a it's a must-see sci-fi movie, right? Yes. Um, and then I think and going and I go. It's extremely hopeful. And it's extremely hopeful. Yeah, and like and then there's a robot in it, and I knew the robot was bad, and that's all I've got. That's all I have. I, in. I had less than that. I was like, <clears throat> it's a sci-fi movie. I thought it was made in the seventies, and so like. I kind of thought it was going to be hokey. I, like, made Alvin watch it with me, and he was like, I don't want to watch a 70 sci-fi movie. It's going to be so bad. I'm like, no, this is a classic. Everyone loves it. We have to watch it. It's going to be fine. And we were just both expecting, like, this really, like, doesn't super well hold up (laughs) hokey 70 sci-fi movie. And that was very inaccurate. Oh, no, it was amazing. This movie is freaking beautiful. No, that movie... Is I don't know. I don't say I want to do more. Re- I wish I did more research to how they did it because honestly, it was stunning. All right, wait, Cece, Peter, get this shit. How did you watch this movie? On Blu-ray on my television. Okay, so I was watching it on Amazon. I rented it on Amazon, and on Amazon, if you like, let the overlay show up on the screen and don't just like clear it away. It'll give mm-hmm. you notes about the movie. Usually it's just like the oh, actors cool. that are on screen at the time, but also with 2001 A Space Odyssey, there's so much history that it was super cool, and it was so beautiful that apparently, so they the movie what came out in 66? 68. 68, okay. So the movie came out in 68, and apparently there were a lot of things that weren't used, and the props kind of like never, never used again. Mm-hmm. And there is a, like, a really strong community on the internet who thinks it's because... They used all the props for the real for like for the uh, the quote unquote uh, you can't see my air quotes but trust me they're pretty exaggerated like <laughs> the moon landing. Oh really? Yeah, and that's where everyone think happened to them. All the props used for the moon landing then locked away in some top secret government vault in Area Area Fifty One. That's so funny. Because two thousand one Space Odyssey was so beautiful and so compelling. I mean, even today, like we're talking, about, it's it's twenty eighteen. We're not traveling to other planets, but we are talking about how kick-ass those effects were. This was 50 years ago. This is the 50th year since this movie was made. Ah, yes, that's right. It was the year before Apollo 11. It was like a decade before Star Wars The New Hope. Yeah. This was like, I I could not believe it when I found out what year this was made. Everything, Cece. Everything from the visual effects of like, let's just, I I guess we're just talking about special effects right now. Like, and then sure. everything from the visual effects to, like... Because, you, you know, everyone listening to this knows that to have artificial gravity without some sort of Star Trek-level ridiculousness, you're going to have to have a circular platform, like a ring. You're going to make it spin, and you got gravity, right? We all know this. Yes. So then they were doing it on the ship, though, and obviously the ship is going to have a tighter ring, right? It's not going to be as big a diameter. Cause on, so on the spaceship, on the space station, I understand why the space station was a flat deck, right? Or it was curved a little bit, actually. Yes. And they were walking down that curve, right? Yeah, you could see that. Yeah, they had that. It wasn't wasn't super exaggerated, but there was definitely an angled floor. But on the spaceship, it was like a sharp angle. And I was, I rewound the scenes and I watched them a lot. 
and it was really, really, really hard to notice. I don't even think I really did, like, notice him, like, leaning backwards in any way, because he'd be, like, walking down a slant or anything. Like, well, I don't... what they did, Peter? what they do? They built an actual, like, wheel. Right, right, and right. And presumably moved it with the person, like, a hamster wheel. And I guess they just put the camera, like, on some sort of mounting that moved up higher. Yeah, something. I guess so. That's I don't insane. know how they actually shot it, but I know that the set they used was, like, shaped like that theoretical deck would be shaped. Cece, that is so crazy. Yes, it, it was extraordinary commitment. Like, I was watching uh, a feature on the on the Blu-ray, and they're talking about how the... Obviously, like, all the special effects are really incredible, especially for the time there, but the design was also extremely revolutionary, because up till then, it was, like, all flying saucers. Like realistic looking spaceships like the way the ships in this film were designed informed all at all serious sci-fi from then on out because like you look at them you're like yeah i can totally see how we would get from like the apollo rockets to this like it it was a clear line and like the commitment to realism that it took to like build a wheel when you could have i don't know just tried to use angles i'm sure it wouldn't have looked as good but it would have been a lot cheaper and easier like that was obviously really important to Kubrick. Yeah, and, and you know, and it really does show in the work. Like, <clears throat> I'm not gonna sit here and say like movies today are you know crap, and they don't make movies like they used to. But like, it is more uncommon to find a movie that you know the the director and the producer and everyone really was committed to making this look as compelling and as you know realistic as possible. As believable as possible. And you know, at that, so like, so right now, see, if I wrote a sci-fi book. Fuck yeah, I would have, like, you know, rings on my ships for artificial gravity zones. Like, duh. To me, that just makes sense, because I'm someone who has no free, so much free time and li- reads a ton of sci-fi, because I'm a huge <laughs> nerd. But, exactly. Like, if you hadn't figured it out through your own logic and reasoning, you would have known because of sci-fi. <laughs> no, right. But, like, my own logic and reasoning is informed on the fact that, like, I took an AP physics class that if it was taught in the 50s, it would have been, like, a postgraduate class at best. Right, Exactly. Like, mo- uh, tons of the shit I learned, we didn't know yet. We didn't figure right. it out yet. So, like, you know, my little logic and reasoning is informed on, you know, years and, like, decades more of, 50 years more of, like, education and research. Right. Plus, again, I'm a nerd and I do a lot of research on my own. Yes. So, like... I mean, but, like, even today you had to sort of seek that education out. Like, this might come up in, like, you know, regular freshman year like, of high school physics class now, but that's probably only because you have so many examples of it in pop culture. But that was not the case in 1968. Right, that's the amazing thing. Because, like, in, you know, in 1968, he really had to do his research. Like, he would yeah. have had to, like, go and talk to people that are in this field. Because otherwise, like, no one was really thinking about it yet. Hell, there's yeah. enough people that thought the moon landing was faked. Like... They thought there's no chance we'll go ever go to the stars. 60 years before was the first flight. So, like, the idea that, you know, people were out, like, there weren't a lot of people out there thinking about, well, how do we produce gravity in space for long-term voyages? Right, exactly. And he found those people and got them to answer these questions, and that's what makes me so, like, impressed by this movie. He did the research, he put in the time, and he produced an excellent film. Yes, it was extraordinarily mind-blowing. Like, do not let the talk about falling asleep like this movie. Oh yeah. I personally love this movie. It was terrific. I I thought it was um I, I would call it a I, Hey Cece? Yes. 
I would toast it. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> he was making reference to another podcast. Which one <laughs> name? This been... is definitely a toast. Oh, I man. <laughs> hey, email us if you know um, what podcast we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that that's just this movie. Like, I cannot praise these visual effects enough. And it's going to get re. We're just going to, you know, get sound repetitive if we keep going over it, but they were amazing. Okay, we can't keep talking about this. Wait, wait. One thing I do really like that's kind of like a this is a this is an artistic decision is mm. I really enjoyed whenever they were like when Hal was involved and like yes. they just showed him as a red eye. It was very eerie. It was so eerie and like you know, imagine like that the astronauts going like, you know, trying to like apply feelings to this just red eye on the wall who's like talking in you know a, an emotional voice and, and makes emotional decisions yes but human error <laughs> yeah he's just a red uh, eye and like it was, yeah it was very eerie it, it was just like I, I totally agree with you because it was so completely a computer like there was no android or attempt to make it seem human yeah like, no, there was like, no oh, anthropomorphizing it's but it's also the six remember I thought it was really strange how like yeah like if you look like uh like you look at star trek right you know they have you know artificial entities in there but they're all like data like they're all meant to look like humans they're androids they're in robotic forms right, but designed just to blend in just the eye like very clearly a computer there's no trying to hide it or trying to make it imitate humans like Essentially, while its design was informed, or this is getting into the more sci- like the more science part of the sci-fi, but like its while its design was informed by human consciousness, almost definitely, uh, it was very clearly a different form of intelligence. Because I would say how was self-aware, and it was a different form of intelligent life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because there was even um, a sort of verbiage question brought up by like the news anchor, who was like, "Well, you know." It's meant to imitate. Some people would prefer to say, like, simulate <laughs> human intelligence. Like, there's a lot of sort of subtlety in that. They're like, pe- some people aren't comfortable with the idea that it's like a copy of human intelligence. And you're right. I, I think it's pretty clearly not. It's, it's like a subtle difference, but it's there. Not only is it very clearly not, but it's very clearly self Like, how is self-aware? And, you know... Scientists have kind of decided that, like, we're going to basically say something's an AI when it's self-aware. And it's a true artificial intelligence, not just a mimicry. Oh, have we decided that? I mean, that's... Science, that it's not AI until it's self-aware? That's kind of the benchmark scientists are using and in, in who are doing, like, you know, deep think projects in Watson. Like, the idea is that we can teach these, these kind of... Alright, so we've used this before, but looking at uh, Mass Effect and... Um, <laughs> Which, great game. Love it. You should play it. Uh, but, like, you know, the difference between VI assistants and AIs? Mm-hmm. Like, Edie, true AI. Right. But the like VI... is just Yeah, Edie is a crew member. But, and, but even before she had the Android phone. For God's sake, you can take her on missions. <laughs> well, okay, I meant before the robot. Um, but the... But, like, the VIs, like, when you entered the Citadel... They were like these virtual assistants that helped you around the town. Like they looked like and they acted like intelligence, but they were not. They were acting according to a decision tree. Now, VIs can look a lot like AI, 
if the decision tree is massive. But I don't think any decision tree was written for Hal that include killing the human members of his crew. Right. Well, exactly. I mean, it, it again comes back to the singularity trap and like the way the entity in that was very like structured and clear limitations are placed on it. Like, I don't get the feeling that too many boundaries were made for Hal because I guess they're kind of like, well, it never occurred to anybody that he would end up in an adversarial situation with the crew. Right, right. There was always the idea that Hal was also committed to the mission and would support the human crew members as they would support him, but... And he was. He just made a decision in a different way than a human would have. Well, now, did he, though? Think about it. Hal knew about the alien intelligence that was out by Jupiter. I think a human would have had, like... I think Hal went through a pretty cold calculation when he decided to kill off the human crew. I, think, I don't think a human would have been like, oh, well, well, all right, <laughs> sorry. I don't My know. decision tree says you're fucked. So imagine if someone had total, like, incorruptible commitment to a mission, to an ideal. You think they wouldn't kill for it to protect it? I mean, I do. I do think they would. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think most humans wouldn't. He's kind of more like a Vulcan. He is more like a Vulcan. I mean, like, the, actually, I was going to mention that earlier. Like, we were talking about how whether or not, he's not really a copy of human intelligence. He's more like his own, like a... It's a different kind of intelligence. Yeah, he's informed on by human design, but not, but definitely more reasoning and more logical, as you'd expect a computer to be. Right, and he's, like, above emotions. It seems like he feels emotions. But he can... Like, he wasn't just trying to kill them off their group of preservation. He was also trying to kill them off so that... Because he felt that the mission couldn't succeed without him. Yes. And if it was between them or him, it was him. I mean, also, there's definitely an element of self-preservation. The whole, like, mission can't succeed without him... Ah, fuck. The mission can't succeed without him is definitely a logical decision, but you see as, as, um... Oh, fuck, what's his name? The captain. Or the the guy that survives. Dave. Dave. You see when Dave is, is just killing Hal, Hal is like being basically reduced to his basic processing and it's all about fear. Yes. And that's I was a, gonna mention that. That was a really affecting scene for me. Did yeah. you were you like emotionally moved by it? CC, for a movie who had like three hundred words, like that scene crushed me. I know. It was extremely powerful. Like, he, I, I saw some information about people who were getting at me like, yeah, it's like a pretty cold movie. And be like, are you kidding me? Disney Hal's see? Just because Hal's voice didn't have a whole lot of emotion in it doesn't mean that, like, this is Hal being slowly torn apart. Yeah. See, Like, pieces of himself are disappearing. It's like dementia. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, you and I have talked about how dementia is like a crippling thing to see. I think we've talked about this on the show. Um... I forget how it came we're talking out. Talking about before. in Life Funny. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Life Funny. Our, like our grandmother suffered from dementia, and we watched. You know, you watched them degrade, and it's terrible. But you watched how degrade this. You know, this this computer, which you you I kind of liked at first. Like I knew he I was really bad. Liked him. But he I really liked him. He was trying. He was like polite. Yeah. And helpful. He, <laughs> he, you know, he and he was talking to uh to you know he's playing chess with them, chit chatting, like how you feeling about the mission, like. And he's like making making small talk. The computer made small talk, CC. Yeah, like looking at the 
looking at his sketches and being like, oh no, you're like you're really getting better. Yeah, and also I going, really liked how. Yeah, and, and how, I like, had a bad feeling because I was aware enough of the movie, but like I was attached to him. Yeah, absolutely. Like pretty early on, like you know, like going like yeah, this doesn't this movie like doesn't this mission seem a little strange? Like how we left, I can't stop thinking about the circumstances in which we left. Like very strange, rust circumstances. Yeah, so the total, like, the human crewmate we totally talk about with their other human crewmate. Yeah, like a, t- a totally normal thing. Because if I, you know, if I was going on a mission, I felt, like, rushed and kind of secretive about it. Like, oh, this is weird. Like, I'd go. Fuck yeah. Because I wanted Jupiter. But, like, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I would definitely feel some hesitation. And I would voice it. And Hal was feeling hesitation. He voiced it. Like, that's a human thing to do. So you right. see this thing which very clearly has um, humans, at least human, like, similar to human emotions. It very clearly has this this sense of, you know, um, almost a, he has a sense of camaraderie with his crow. Yeah, he's only one of them. Yeah, and he probably it probably crushed him to have to go kill them because he saw the mission as the ultimate goal. Yeah, but I think you're right that there was also. I mean, you have to wonder like, was it a fear based reaction that he justified with logic? Were, were those, like, equally ranked with each other? Was the emotional benefit of, like, not dying of more importance to him? Like, I mean, it's all speculation, but it's curious. You know how when people get drunk, they, like, cannot... Because, you know, people are complicated emotional creatures. Uh-huh. All people. And when, you know, they're when they're acting just in the world, they can talk and interact with people and hide their inner emotion. But when they get drunk, they kind of lose that layer of... It's a filter, for lack of a better word. Like, but I think they... The way I think about it is they strip away a layer. Right. Like, higher-level consciousness maybe isn't a cool thing. It's more like... You turn to more basest emotions. So I think that Hal, yeah, he had a logical reason for doing it. And I think it wasn't justification. I think it was there. But I think at his basest, like, level, he was afraid. I think he was afraid. I think he was torn with grief about killing his friends and trying to kill yes. Dave. I don't think that should be discounted. I think he definitely felt that. I know. He was tight with Dave. Yeah. He, like, Dave and him were cool. They chit-chatted. They watched TV together. Like, I think Dave was closer to Hal than he was to the other crewmate. I definitely get that feeling. And, you know, it, it's it's strange. The interactions with the, between people in this movie are very cold. I get where the yeah. idea... I get where the idea of it being a cold movie is from, coming from, but also I feel like that was kind of the thing. Like, pop culture... I mean, that was how people, like, treated each other, like, yeah. professionally. Yeah, no, people were very professional, like, unless they were behind closed doors with their family. People were professional, people were... But even then, like, you know, the, the child and the father have a very different relationship, and I, while I thought that scene was weird and kind of random, um, I do appreciate it. Yeah, you gotta wonder why that scene, like, was included. Like, they kind of, they invested you enough in that guy. I was like, oh, is this the main character? Oh, it's not? Okay. (laughs) No, he disappeared, like, 45 minutes in the, well, actually, like, 30 minutes in the movie, I guess. I would say 45 is probably more accurate. This movie had very weird timelines. It's been, like, 20 minutes on the apes. Yeah, no, that was super... I started watching, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I remember... I saw, like, at the beginning of a synopsis or something like that that was like, oh, it goes from, like, the dawn of man to, like, later or whatever, and they have, like, this deep troop, and I'm like, okay. Oh, so I was warned about this, but 
It's global. Oh, <laughs> We're still on the apes, huh? They've been stroking his monolith for like five minutes. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> CZ, I actually, when I started this, I was like, wow, did Amazon fuck up? Because I watched like a two minutes of ape and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, all right, um, there wasn't subtitles or anything. I was expecting like, you know, maybe like mankind started as like the, the you know, and mankind's early mam like mammal beginnings or whatever and it was like uh, pretty you know, primitive beginnings discovering the weapon and it was like oh yeah, yeah beginning of warfare cool and then, like eventually we evolved you know and, and surpassed that and i was like all right cool i'm on board no fuck that it's not what happened <laughs> so i was like all right when's it gonna happen so i took my i, I was like scrolling over and I, you know how like if you like you hover over like the progress bar it'll show you the scene yeah. I just was like, alright, I was like moving it forward slowly, slowly, slowly. I was like, when the fuck are we getting rid of these apes? You skipped the apes. <laughs> no, I didn't skip the apes. I watched the apes because I figured, one... You just wanted to figure out how far I, into the movie the apes is. I wanted to make sure it was the right movie, CC. <laughs> Especially because apes are like really realistic looking. Like, those are pretty good ape costumes. There was a couple minutes where I was like, what? These are costumes, right? <laughs> those actual apes? I read something about Kubrick being like, or no, um, Arthur C. Clarke being like, I can't believe Planet of the Apes won, like, the award for special effects. Did they see our movie? They must not have realized they were costumes. That's <laughs> like, actually, like, legit. fucking dead on, though. I know! Oh, wait a second. Did they come out the same year? No, I think um, Planet of the Apes was a couple years later. Which is, like, even more to the point. Oh, Okay. So, like, there was no real competition. <laughs> yeah, for serious. They must have just not watched this movie. Maybe they watched watched Five Minutes of the Apes. They're like, fuck, this is an ape movie, huh? And then they turn it off. Movie. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't deal with this. I do feel like, so, you know, sort of at the end where they keep, like, searching him to find his weapon and they play something like, da, da, Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like because of, like, how many times, like, how overplayed all that music is, now, it kind of lost some of its impact. I was like, I bet it would be really powerful if I watched it in 1968. No, right I now, it's kind of funny. Like, just that part. I know exactly what you mean. It took me a little bit to immerse myself in it, but I was like, I was trying really hard to get myself in that mindset, because I was like, yeah. I bet that, that music coming on the first time, or like, it ha comes along when it's like a view of Earth with like the spaceship behind it, I bet that was yeah. incredible. So I was yeah. trying to force myself to see it like that, and I got it pretty I well. I feel that feeling. Like it was, it was just, it was full of a gra. That song drips of gravitas. Yes. It's like it is time to do something awesome. We about to see some really important shit. <laughs> Shit's about to go down in space. Yeah, like it gives. It, there's so much anticipation in it. You know, it, it's uh, it's an extremely emotional piece of music. And I'm mad we've ruined it's it. It's a shame that people abuse it so much. I'm, I'm so mad. It's, I mean, for God's sake, it's a Toy Story. And speaking of Toy Story, did you listen? Was it just me, or do you think that Dave's chin was, like, the inspiration for Buzz Lightyear's little story chin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, you're right. Okay, it was, right? Like, Buzz Lightyear's chin comes from. Oh my god, you're like, right. Such a strong chin. <laughs> I mean, like, so divine. I think those uh, those astronauts were like, 
very much like, yeah, I guess that that is what astronauts would look like from the mid twentieth century, huh? Yeah, like, like nineteen sixty eight ideal of like a strong, intelligent man. Yeah, like a tall white guy with black hair, good chin. Nicely combed. <laughs> well shaved. Like yes. Yeah, that's it. That's how you guys saw this. Short huh? shorts. Oh, don't for, don't you even play about the short shorts. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. That's funny. <laughs> oh, fuck, no. We got... There were, like... That was one of the things that sort of betrayed the age of the movie. Like, as we said, honestly, the effects will look really well today. There were very few parts where I thought, like, this looks like a whole movie. But one of the ways was the extremely white cast. Actually, I think it was an entirely white cast. The most diverse it got was it had Russians. Weren't there... Wait, weren't there... No, no, wait. I must be making this up. Were the stewardesses black? No, I think you made that up. Cece, I think that's true. Oh, I don't know. I didn't notice. I don't see color. (laughs) That's the second time I've said someone that made someone say that about me today. (laughs) <laughs> I must be doing something wrong that's not how I plan oh, to spend my day <laughs> um, but it's just because I'm not invented but I, I don't I don't think it was I don't know we strictly can't remember because it was like a week ago we both watched this uh, give me one second listeners you're going to hear some clicks I'm pulling up the cast list I'll keep talking while you click yeah you keep so talking so the other freak queens were um, like the businesses that they use like the spy guy was going up in a Pan Am space plane, and when he got to the space station, there was like a Howard Johnson's. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be around forever, Bojo's. <laughs> <laughs> the Hilton was there, and I'm like, yeah, Hilton's, I could see it. <laughs> but, oh, Hilton's for sure going to space. I wonder was a thing back then and if they paid a shit ton to be like oh yeah we'll be around in 2001 oh don't even in play space. we're gonna be in space oh don't even worry we'll be there Pojo's is there for you always Helen's <laughs> like yeah we'll be there but your points are ain't worth shit up here <laughs> oh my god um, no, honestly did though. you find the answer to What's, the serious question no my earnest being crappy which is you know probably a good thing we didn't even have to use Skype huh well, okay. Oh, wait. Okay. I haven't found the answer to that question yet, but um, here's the thing. Oh, wait. All right. I got, I got the cast list. Full cast and crow. It's going like, to be like Sandwich Guy. Oh, there he is. Black Guy. Uh, sandwich Guy? No, I'm lying. Oh. <laughs> there were well, no sandwiches in this movie. I'll tell you what's easy. There were a lot Actually, of things. That's not true. They were on the moon shuttle there were sandwiches there were a fucking lot of apes um oh are you just like scrolling through the ape list <laughs> yeah I guess there were a lot she is not totally white but she's definitely like, she's not too black but she's, she's definitely ambiguous she's this woman is eth- I mean look her up Edwina Carroll compared to what else in the movie she's black <laughs> Oh, honestly, though. I gotta give it to the stewardess, though. They did a really good space vlog. Yes, that's. I was gonna talk about that. It's wonderful. That was a hell of a performance. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because they're the only diverse cast members. All I right. didn't even know. Cece, I try, I'm gonna be honest. I tried to do it. What? 
I still I, I, like I still have to do it. It didn't go well. Yeah, I know. It was, like, so good. Because it was just, like, how are you... And, like, it looked very much... And, like, they had their arms up slightly. Yes. Like, they couldn't... Like, they just, like, weren't forcing them down. Like, that must have required such an extreme... I guarantee they were dancers. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're probably exactly right. Like, that's an incredible level of muscle control that most people don't have. Even, like, you know, actresses... Probably having that scene, like, literally all day. Yeah. But even, like, actors and actresses in fantastic shape... Like, that's a, that's just a lot of muscle control that people don't have. And, like, not even facial muscle control so they can, like, or, like, shoulders so they can make it look right. Like, their entire body was dedicated yeah. to making this look right. Like. Yeah. It was really impressive. There was a moment where I was just, like, wondering, I was like, there's a non-zero chance they, like, filmed this real quick in a diving plane. But I was like, wait a minute, I was 68. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have that. They, no one had the budget for that except the federal government. I think they were. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, um, incredible, though. Great job to them. Like, that's that's one of those things about this movie that, like, they could have just written it off and said, this ship is spinning. Or even, like, it's something as simple... Or just not explained it, like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Okay, whatever. It's a space movie. <laughs> we can do whatever the fuck we want. It's in space. We're, it's already in space. What more rules could we break? <laughs> and they make it clear from the beginning, too, because they have, like, the pen floating. So uh-huh. they're like, yeah. <laughs> the stewardess is not just weirdos. <laughs> they're walking that way because there's no gravity. <laughs> <laughs> not just weirdos. <laughs> you imagine if they didn't have that? We're just like, what? Uh-huh. In 68, where, again, we just assume gravity on spaceships. Yeah, no, like, right, like, or doesn't even, no, it's like, I don't think it's like you assume them on spaceships, I think you ass- don't... You assume it, period. Yeah, you just, like, there's three things in the world that I know for sure, like, gravity, the Russians are bad, and, um, I don't know, the white man's burden. Like, these are the three things I know. It's always fun to insert little white man's burden jokes. <laughs> God damn it. This is the things people consider German in the 60s. <laughs> I mean, um, how far am I off, yeah, really? No, I mean, like, so much of the acting was strictly physical. Like, that whole last sequence was strictly physical. The actors, the stewardesses were strictly physical. Like, so much of it was just people's bodies and faces trying what they were doing like, God, I mean, this whole cast deserves learning and exciting to end and all they're getting is some talking on our podcast, our shitty, <laughs> shitty podcast. Yeah, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey, how nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it's the We're great... We're finally giving him its day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it's easy. Something I, no- I was thinking about with the, uh, the the spaceship scenes, especially the first one when he's, like, the only guy on this fucking spaceship. Yeah. And it was like, I'm thinking and about... the second one. <laughs> so good to be fair, that was more like a taxi. That was a glorified taxi. It was a space taxi. It was a space taxi, which we is a glorified... space station to the moon, I mean, who cares? 
I'm just space station in the moon. Godsies, I can do that with a good jump. <laughs> Nothing's in your way, I mean, I guess. Yeah, no, fuck that. Anything might be a little tricky, but... Um, yeah, especially if, I, if I'm off, like, at all. No, that was not a taxi. Maybe I have a meal. Alright, well, it was a long taxi. What do you want from me? <laughs> but... It was like an Uber home from the city. <laughs> it was like a nice Uber where they have a little snack bar in the back. <laughs> oh... No, so, what I was thinking about is, like, they do this scene, right, and obviously there's no talking, because, like, fuck talking, apparently. They're being charged by the word. And, uh-huh. like, but I realize it's just, like, it's just normal people, like, going people going about, like, their everyday thing, and it's, like, not a big deal. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's totally mundane. Yeah, one of the stewardesses is watching TV, because there's only one, there's only one passenger, and fuck that. The other one, like, you know, brings it into the, the pilot's cabin and floats a little with the pilot's. Like, you know. Yes. He's just sitting there taking a nap in space. Yeah, like, totally. Actually, that reminds me of a quote I read that um, this film is all about the coexistence of the sublime and the banal. Basically, the implication being that in order to get to space and only get to that point, mankind basically suspended the whole sense of wonder that, that drove them to explore space to begin with. Like, that universal feeling that I think we all feel when we think about space travel is kind of set aside and suppressed in order to be able to achieve this like level of space travel. I'm not sure how much that's true. I would contest that. I would say that everyone that was talking about the trip to Jupiter had like an appropriate level of awe. Everyone was like, oh shit, we're trying to go to another planet with like a fully manned crew and like do some real shit out there and everyone was like oh shit i think the what they're trying to push in this movie is the idea that like travel between the earth and the moon is has become mundane right. it's become like the everyday it's like the equivalent of me buying a plane ticket to china like <laughs> probably easier it's expensive but not unusual yeah it's expensive but like if you have a reason to go there or if it's for your work like it's not a big deal there's regular right. flights you might end up as the only person on your flight like, theoretically. Yeah, theoretically. That's actually not true, but that's because of airlines. Right, that's because of airlines. But I don't know. <laughs> I guess once you're in space, it's probably pretty cheap to move around, Cece. That's true. Actually. Yeah, that's true. Probably, like, shuttles would be really cheap between stations. Yeah, that's actually never occurred to me. I bet that's cheap as shit. Because, like, theoretically, um, you can do it with compressed air. But there would be, like, competition brought on by, um, like, speed, basically. Like what? Speed. And, obviously, the faster you go, the more fuel you burn, I mean, yeah, for sure, but if I don't know shit when I get there... That would be, like, like where, what you'd be paying for. Yeah, there's definitely, like, That'd an economy... Where the get-what-you-pay-for part comes in. There's a definitely, like, an economy class, like, fuck it, we're just gonna basically open the hatch in the back and shoot us in one direction, and we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the megabus of space travel. Fuck, there's totally a megabus. <laughs> That's hilarious. We didn't see it because we were watching the Super Spy Travel around, but, you know. But there was definitely... No, he was not a super spy. He was kind of a super spy. I think he was a, like... I'm actually almost... He was like a government scientist spy. No, he was like a... Go- I think he was just a government scientist. Actually, I think he was like a... No, they talked about what he was. Okay, fine. He was a classified government scientist. He wasn't a spy. CC, CC. They said he's like the head of like the UN robotics division. Is or that something. what they said? They said, oh fuck, what was it? They said something like that though. They gave him a title. He's like the head of a department. No, I missed that. Of like a sciencey okay. department. Yeah, 
Uh, whatever. Oh, no, no, no. He was the UN science advisor. He was the UN science advisor, I think it was. Maybe. I, it's not an advisor. Advisor wouldn't, like, have rules. Yeah. He's basically, like, managing the entire masquerade. I don't know. Alright. But, Deputy of Science. I don't know. But it was, like, a formal role. I don't, I don't think there's much science. Science president. He was the science president. The president of space. <laughs> 2001, guys. The president of space. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so. But anyway, no. Um, back to I guess my point because I'm I don't know if you made yours or not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I would counter to say that for the everyday human, yeah, it's like, well, we're going to Jupiter, but like for the crew members, it was pretty boring. It was so boring that three of them slept. <laughs> <laughs> Passing his days in silence, like going for jogs, laying in the tanning bed, watching a five minute video from his family, like it's pretty dull. And I mean, you're like, Oh, it's a long trip. I calculated pretty roughly that's like about five months, so it's not like unheard of. But it's still pretty long. As far as our standards it is. So I mean I think that there is a little bit of like boredom for the crew. That I mean comes through to the audience in my opinion. Like I you're mean, sitting there and you're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> For sure, Do for something sure. Already. <laughs> See, here's the thing I was thinking about. Like, when you let's compare this with uh, the Martian. Okay. So in the Martian, because you, I think you get a unique perspective of the same author writing about people that had roughly the same experience so far, but then one of them is fucking stuck on Mars. But like when you look at the crew, like their only thing that really gives them any excitement during their day is thinking about Mark. Like, their day-to-day, they just go about their ship, they do their experiments, and it's, like, not a big deal. But, like, you know, obviously, Marwani is, like, getting a lot of sense of wonder because he's on a planet by himself. So, like, I think there's kind of a the idea that, like, yeah, once you're, like, you know, you're a trained professional. Of course it's not exciting for you. You're doing your job. Yeah, that's true. I mean, works work. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's cool being in space right now. I'm very, I'm sure that, like... Astronauts love being on the International Space Station, but I also bet that eventually it's like, you maybe you don't look out that window as you pass by. Yeah. Well, you kind of have to remind yourself, right? You probably take a minute and go, shit, I'm in space. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on Earth anymore. Space. You just kind of use it. you go, you look at Earth, and you're like, fuck. That's awesome. And then you're like, you know? fuck, all right, I gotta finish this spreadsheet. And then that's it. Like, you're on your way. <laughs> gotta finish entering this data. All right, now I'm gonna go have a float now. <laughs> oh my god, I want to float nap. Seems so comfy. But or, I can also or, see it being like really unnerving, so I'm not sure. I can see it being very unnerving. I want to like win When the... you're stupid wealthy, Peter, if you're ever stupid wealthy, I see you like renting one of those planes that does the anti ground just to take a nap in it to see how it feels. How about we just do one of those trips that we skip into space for a little bit? Through what? Oh, because you... by the time you're five wealthy, that'll be easy? No, that it's already things, you see. Scoop into space? Yeah, no, like, it's like a million dollars a seat. But it's basically a space... What? That's what I heard Yeah, no, it's like a million dollars a seat. No, it's actually probably, I think it's like a, I think it's 1.5 a seat. But it's like, they only go when they fill up the plane with reservations, and they go up, and, like, go into space for a little bit. It's like a big space plane. Well, there you go. And then you can take a nap. And then I can take a nap. With my (laughs) 1.5 million dollar seat. Finally have a float nap. Like, this is all I've ever wanted. Like, can I get a pillow? Sir, you're in space. Can I get a pillow? (laughs) 
a snuggie. Snuggie's the only practical blanket on in space. Can I get a zipper in the back, though? Obviously. <laughs> this is my modded snuggie. <laughs> this is my space-adjusted snuggie. My space snuggie. You know, a snuggie. <laughs> like, like, I was gonna say... At that point, it's just a sleeping bag with arms. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> to Shark Tank. <laughs> It's my sleeping bag with arms. You ever been to a sleeping bag and you wanted to get your arms out to defend yourself from an axe murderer? Here it is. Or a bear. It's the sleeping arms. <laughs> anyway. Um, snugging bag, that's what they call it. No, that's definitely infringing on copyright. We're going to have to talk to Snuggy about licensing. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll talk TM, off TM, air. TM, TM. TM, TM. Of course, TM, TM, TM. Like, for sure. And our dad's a lawyer, so we'll come after you. <laughs> Sorry, God, I see a um, fucking snug, snuggy bag. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want one. Frankly. Yeah, no, I got fucking want one real bad, actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, maybe I'll just cut some oh. armholes in my sleeping bag. Um, <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait, do you have anything else to say about snuggy bags? Alright. For now. T- t- take a look. Tune in next time yeah, for t- our snuggie. Keep an eye out next fall for uh, our, our snuggie bags. I don't think you need a snuggie bag on, uh, Um, hmm. Well. It's sort of like a still suit, but you don't get that. You haven't started doing it yet. Okay. So. Wait. Did you notice. Go ahead. That. Did you notice that at one point <laughs> they showed punch cards? That they were using for memory. I don't remember what data how um, how was printing out, but he printed out data on a punch card. Like Jesus. Oh yeah, no, it was the da- <laughs> it was the data about why um why the thing failed. Yeah, why the thing was gonna fail. Why the thing was he was like certain the thing was gonna fail. By the way, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, he was like, oh, I want a copy of that. He printed out a punch card. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Which is it's crazy. Like, I love I love old sci-fi. Like the things that they are so. They're so visionary with some things, and others, it's just like, <laughs> they, okay, they have, like, Skype calls, basically, but it's like a pay phone. Like, the idea that somebody would have a private phone didn't occur to them. No, but, like, that was amazing. Like, CC, they talk, people talk about how, like, um, like, the Simpsons, like, called Skype, and, like, basically predicted FaceTiming. How about 2001 on Space Odyssey predicting space, FaceTiming? Yeah, that's true. Thirty years earlier, that's amazing. Yeah, like it's it's really interesting. Like it, just the contrast of that. It's like you were halfway there. <laughs> You're right. This guy would be calling his daughter from space. However, he would be doing it with a payphone. He would be doing it with the payphone, by your estimation. And you have this extremely advanced AI who's still using punch cards. I don't think it's possible to fit how. On a punch card based memory system. Well, no, see, see, they already fucking made a step. So here's the thing that drives me crazy, right? Because, like, I I agree with you. Like, it's really cool. Like, you know, they did these amazing things, like, predicting how we do artificial gravity and shit like that. But, like, yes. and then they, they just couldn't be, they couldn't imagine a world without punch cards, right? Yes. This would make sense to me if they didn't fucking imagine a world without punch cards. Because you saw when he was pulling out Hal's memory. What about it? It wasn't a fucking punch card. He wasn't card. Card. like, alright. I think like, all computers are based on that back then. I don't know enough about this. But I, don't, I think like, 
Yeah, a hard drive is a bu- was like a stack of disks. It's basically the same as it is now, except it's gotten smaller. Except now we have solid state drives, but like we just have like better density. No, it, yeah, HDDs are like the same thing, just better density. Right. Like, and SSDs don't come in the equation. But I swear to God, how was stored on a solid state drive? <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. That's really funny. Well, I mean, you saw him pulling out, like, those crystal things. Like, that's actually thing. Like, people have already talked about storing um, information, actually, with, a, like, a focused laser in glass. And they can do, like, an incredible level of density. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, they can, yeah, it's, like, very, it's actually extremely cool. But, basically, my theory is that's how HAL was stored. <laughs> what I'm saying is, HAL was made of glass. HAL, <laughs> shouldn't have thrown those stones, murderer. Um... <laughs> Like, okay, this is, like, our big memory, okay? This is, like, like obviously Hal's really complex. We need, like, really serious shit to store him. Yeah, but these like, glass for, cubes. For, like, portable information, we're still going with punch cards. That has not changed. We have not innovated there at all. Why didn't they have, like, a glass stick? Like, that's not that complicated. <laughs> it couldn't have been, like, created something that somewhat imitates their HAL memory. Yeah, like, this is smaller HAL, and it's like a, it looks like, maybe like, it looks like an SD card, it's just a sliver of glass. No, it's a punch card. <laughs> not even a small punch card, like a full-size one. <laughs> it's not even a smaller punch card. <laughs> he reaches in and pulls out a poster board, and it's like, ah, thank you, HAL, this is very convenient, and walks away. <laughs> It'd be so great if HAL just, like, like okay give me that data and how just starts printing like you know those old printer pages that had like the uh the binding on the sides that you ripped them and it would like all be attached you know what i'm talking about like the perforated attached yeah sheets. it just prints on and it's just like back and forth for like 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> thanks hal this is convenient i can't wait to but go that shit was probably like not even invented yet Perforation? I mean, think about it. No, perforation was invented, but I mean, like, that kind of printing. Oh, man. I mean, think about how, like, early in computers we were in 68. Yeah, but... Like, the fact that they even conceived of an artificial intelligence is pretty fucking amazing. That's incredible. Like, Like, I don't know if they were the first, but they were definitely early. And the fact that they conceived of it and then talked about whether there was a simulation or whether it was true intelligence. Yeah. Like, they didn't yeah. go depth into it, but that's incredible. And think about the time they were doing it. And, like, they managed to not go, like, is this moral? Like, there weren't, like, God questions, like, demand. Then they didn't shot. Like, that's true. So the way I see it, they could have gone hardcore, like, oh, how's just a simulation, right? And that wouldn't have upset, like, any crowd thinking, did they create, like, did, are they saying they created life in this movie? Right. But, like, they straight up are like, he might be alive. We're not sure. And that makes it a man-made life form. Yeah, that's like, true. That's encroaching on God's territory. And this isn't, like, this was a time of, uh, this is a period where, like, that was not cool. And a yeah, lot of people no, get up in arms about that. Can I say it again? <laughs> like, this is, like, for saving it for the people in the back. This is 1968. <laughs> we were on the moon. Like, we were still under threat from nuclear missiles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's something something to say about it but hot damn like that's amazing yeah no like we have like i cannot stress enough these are how- questions we still haven't answered 
Yeah. Like, we have no idea. And we, ah. and like, we think we have our benchmarks, but until we really create something that looks like artificial intelligence, we have no idea. Yeah. Like, all, basically, all it got is the Turing test. Yeah, so what makes me mad is, like, we actually, you know, it's easy. Before I keep ranting, like, hey, how about you explain the Turing test? Oh, you want me to explain the Turing test? Yeah, I don't know as much about it as I would like to. And I think that, um, that's a kind of important thing since we're discussing how they're murdering AI. <laughs> Fuck, CC, you ruined this for me. I'm not cutting this Sorry. out. I got one second. All right. Okay, the yeah, idea of the Turing test is that it's a test that you can apply to a machine to determine whether or not it's, like, intelligence is artificial or real, essentially. So, like, a simulation um, or true intelligence? I think it's to do with whether or not a human can tell the difference between the same conversation you had with a computer and had with a... Um, okay. Let me see. Um, so it'll be okay. It'll be like a text-only conversation, and if the okay, yeah, that yeah, basically, if uh, an evaluator, quote unquote, is having a conversation with a human and with a machine, would they be able to tell the difference if it's text-only? And Jesus Christ, Google Assistant's already passed that. I think. <laughs> Wow. I'm not reading that, but, like, you think about it, you really couldn't tell. Yeah, I mean, it, like, eventually, yeah. I, I, I think probably, um, probably not quite, like, within five years. I mean, hell, Google's already, uh, what do they call it? I don't think it's DeepThink doing this. I think it's another Google lab, because apparently they're fucking insane and want to kill us all. But, <laughs> like... Unless we comply. And I, for one, welcome our new Google, Google-based overlords. You know, the, the Turing test, as it's stated there, is pretty limited. I would definitely argue that, because, like, you know, you could... You could just be a really good imitation of yeah. I still don't think Google is in self-aware. Or is it? But, uh, maybe it is. Fuck. <laughs> I gotta delete some shit. Oh, God. Um, no, but, I mean, I really don't think it would be. And yet, it does basically pass that. Like, if you're not, especially if you're not paying attention, like, maybe if you're looking you like, eh, that's not quite human. It's a little normal. But... Usually the grammar's just too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it said, um, I cannot stress enough, it said, um... What? Have you not seen this clip? I thought we already talked about this. That's insane! No, yeah, haven't you seen the clip of the Google Assistant, like, it... making a hair appointment? And it's like, um, okay, how about, uh, next Tuesday at 9am? Like, that's you... basically how it sounds. It used a non-verbal... What? Yeah. All right, it's that's insane. Upsetting. I don't that, like it. That is upsetting. No, but here's something. You want to get worse? Google has a lab. I, I don't again. I don't think it's deep thing, but I think it's. It might be like an associative deep thing. Anyway, they let an AI modify another AI. What? They were like, "All right, you AI, um, go run this simulation with this other AI, no. and then make it more accurate." I don't like that. And so basically they're letting AI, because like, so actually this came up in the Singularity Trap too. Which, you know, let's just like go ahead and tie, this is either us doing cool tiebacks or us rehashing yes. old episodes. Let's pay attention to that line. We're just really lucky. Or sci-fi is all about the same things. 
Yeah. Well, so the cool thing... I actually like this because we can build our, our discussion over week to week. But anyway. So, when you look at... Well, we said this about the singularity trap. We said that one of the signs that the... the basically, the AI singularity is coming up. Right? That great challenge of civilization is when AI is allowed to now build other AI and improve other AI. And so then it cascades and improves faster than we can control, right? Yes. That's the whole idea. AI will evolve on its own and pass our control. Yes. That the first I mean, step... AI's writing its own rules, then, you know? Yeah, I mean, they even said in Singularity Trap, like, basically, these days, like, you know, human-built AI is just building more human-built AI. Like, like all the scientists do is give it direction, and it, it builds its own. Uh, like, this... Is fucking happening right now. I I just, I just so I struggle so much with this because I like to think of myself as a person who's like generally for technological advancement, but I just think we're like flying way too fast into it. It's like it's like with CRISPR. You know, the person who invented CRISPR is like, hey, you guys took that not invented, discovered. Just like you guys start like running with it, and maybe we should take a beat and think about what rules we want to stick on this amazing technology because obviously it has potential to change the world, but. That also means it can change it badly, so maybe let's take a minute. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> but I don't understand how we haven't already figured this shit out, because we've been hearing cautionary tales about it for at least 50 years. Here's the... So, one, it's because most of these cautionary tales have been just, like, discounted as either fear-mongering or, oh, it's just an AI... It's just a nerd thing. But, like... But so the you, nerds are the ones who are doing it. They're the ones who watched 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> Fuck you. They're just a bunch of nerds. They're trying to make hell. Susie, they're a bunch they of... also like Tim. They're a bunch of fake nerds. Fake nerds? You guys even sci-fi? <laughs> like, yeah, we're about real science. It's like, that's your problem. Well, okay. So, here's my opinion on all of this. I once had to write an essay. Um, and the question was... Or one of the questions I picked this one was... Will the evolution of technology ever let mankind like achieve its goal of ultimate peace? First of all, I take on bridge with that, because it's not mankind's goal for peace. You mean peace isn't mankind's goal? No, like yeah, it's like man, yeah, mankind isn't a try, striving to achieve like lasting peace among everyone. Yeah, mankind As, is just a bunch of people striving to like achieve personal security. Yeah, which so like, my argument was that no, it's not because every time technology evolves, people find new ways to kill each other. Because, hey, we weaponize it. <laughs> the, you know, honestly, we split the atom. Look at this. Boundless energy. This is a great energy source. Yeah. I bet if we concentrated it, it would blow up really big. It would make big boom and kill a lot of people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Basically. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, nuclear. The reason people are afraid of nuclear weapons is because you fuckers weaponized it. Okay, Peter, it's so interesting that you bring this up because I was reading the Spark Notes. <laughs> about um, about the book. Okay. And obviously, a book about this can't be nonverbal and like explain some of the stuff. It's like just three hundred blank pages. Hey, Hugo... uh, the book is like five pages. No, Hugo Cabret right. would beg to differ that it can't be nonverbal. <laughs> um, but no, so some of the stuff is explained, and basically, like, it's if you think about it. Each sort of step involves weapons. Like the the apes moved on to like being human uh -huh. by discovering weapons, and then like 
the world that we come to next is all about weaponry, you know? Mm-hmm, right. It's the Cold War world is when this movie was made, and the USSR still exists, and, like, it seems like we're a little bit more chill with them. Like, we have a joint space station, which is also detail included in the book, but... Um, so, you know, at the end, skipping to the end, when he comes back as a space fetus, um, in the book, he's, like, a disembodied, like, uber being. I, again, not on, like, the singularity top, where he's, like, progressed beyond the need for a human body. Uh-huh. Um, and there's the, there's been a nuclear missile that was shot. It doesn't go into details about, like, from where to where. But he, like, blows it up in space, thus saving the Earth from itself. Because, like, you know, he's trying to destroy itself with weapons. So it's, like, the idea is that this final progression is a progression past weapons. Because, like, they, for humanity, has taken this step and can save us from that. So, like, the idea of humanity constantly trying to destroy itself and, like, will advancement ever move us past that is, it's really funny that you came to that on your own, considering you did not read the story for the book. No, like yeah, I am my my in the end my final argument was like no because we require a fundamental mentality change and morality change. Like we as a species need to take a strong look at our morality and see what we where we're at and judge ourselves harshly. That was my position. Oh, um, we never judge ourselves harshly, Peter. Sorry? We never judge ourselves harshly. No, because we're fucking naive. perfect. Millennials. We have no problems. Uh No, but I think you're right, like people will eventually have to actually embrace the greater good. We talk a lot about the greater good. We don't actually give a shit about it as a people. Yeah, no, it's in speeches. In the end, the self-good is most important. Yeah, greater good is rhetoric almost exclusively. Yeah, basically. It sucks. But that's kind of like what I see. Like, I I think that's really interesting that that's actually how it works in the the book. Alright, we are like really long, but we need to talk about the ending. We have to. Yes. What the fuck? I was getting stronger to stellar about where I was like, I've pretty much followed the movie up to now, but I'm lost. <laughs> it's yeah. over. That's over. Like, the house storyline, what well, one, like, I think this movie is, like, well, one thing I really liked about this movie is it's very real, right? Like, it, there was no great battle between it's him and It's grounded. Hal. It was like, yeah, oh, he got locked up by Hal, but Hal had, like, no weapons, but he was able mm-hmm. to break in, um... I think that uh, him coming back into the spaceship, I actually don't know if that was realistic or not. I think it might have been. I think so. Because humans well, can survive thing, in the space. The silence was extremely powerful. Oh, because so Because I think nice. any other movie would like use that like for dramatic musical cue. But it's like, hey, bitch, he's in vacuum. <laughs> no sound in vacuum. Yeah, in space, they, would... they can't hear your chorus. Like... Uh, I, don't, I don't know how quickly you would do pressurize. It was still like, kind of slightly in an atmosphere, I would think, for a second there. For a second there. was expelled with the air. But, but, um, human, like, you can survive a little bit of exposure to vacuum. Like, it's not pleasant, and it's, like, by a little bit, I mean, like, three seconds. Right. But, like, you don't, it's not an immediate death if you were in vacuum. It's pretty immediate because you don't have time to do anything, but if he was, like, getting launched in, bounced off, and had to, like, turn a knob, that's not, and, like, you, you heard, like, the sound as they were pushed in. I think the idea that it's, like, an emergency airlock and, like, was designed with extremely fast filling capacity for that. Right. Is, is pretty prevalent. I think it's, like, oh, this makes sense to me. 
yeah, I, I think that if you think about it as him being like sort of partially back for a second, like initially. I think that's not probably not quite accurate, but yes, I I, I think that's possible. But I think it's not even, immediately for I think even if it was hard vacuum, he's still like that's still something that could have happened. It was, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I think it's at least somewhat realistic. No, it's like... <laughs> That's my non-committal answer. I, I, think, I think it's possible. I don't think I would have done it. I think I'd probably be like, all right, fuck, I guess I'm dead. I probably would have taken that approach. <laughs> you would have pulled a CC on that one? <laughs> yeah, I would have pulled a CC. I forgot we were talking about that. <laughs> I need to survive one for like, oh, well... <laughs> Time to die, I guess. Out of curiosity, which book was that that we that we talked about that again? The Martian, obviously. Oh yes, the I guess I'm dead now. And also probably Jurassic Park, if I if uh, I had to guess. For the record, another movie that's whose dramatic effects hold up. Jurassic Park. Yeah, we didn't talk about the effects of that movie at all, but like the effects were that amazing. Movie that movie still looks good. Yeah, I saw that in theaters for the first time ever. Um, I never seen it before. When but when we came back and did like its rerun in the local Regals. I went and saw oh, it. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I was like, this is fucking great. Anyway, moving <laughs> I on. I am blown away. Yeah, like, no, I had mo- the same A movie that's then. not, re- it's, well, well, it came out in the early 90s, or mid-90s, didn't it? Uh, I guess. But I, I didn't watch it until, like, I don't know, what, 2012, something like that. Yeah, like, I, I lo- it took me a long time to watch it. I think it came out in the late, mid, mid to late 90s, maybe early 2000s. But definitely, like, CG, good CGI didn't exist yet. And that was animatronics. I was gonna say they use a lot of animatrons again, like serious commitment to uh, to doing a good job on the effects there. Because that could not have been cheap. All right, here's a little fun fact. It's like real quick. Um, someone almost died with that T Rex. Oh really? The T Rex is powered by like huge fucking pneumatic like pistons. Uh huh. And it was like this big steel frame, and he was in- the only way to get the T Rex skin down was to glue it. But the only way to get to where, like, all the glue points, you had it had to be on, Ooh. and you had to move it to open up new ways to crawl. That's bad design. Well, there was no other way to make it look realistic. Yeah, and That's so commitment. <laughs> yeah, and so the the freaking um, thing actually powered up when and like powered up and like started moving on like not when they meant it to when the guy was in there oh, gluing God. all the skin down. Oh, and they ended up pulling the power, and he was able to, like, squeeze his way out. But he almost got crushed. Oh, my God. That's so scary. Yeah, that's, like, a nightmare scenario for me. Especially because I'm, like, a six-foot big guy. Like, yeah. that's terrifying. Trap. Anyway. Being trapped is, like, ultimate nightmare. Really, though. Anyway. I, I'm not claustrophobic, but, like, being that... Never mind. Not that don't make anyone claustrophobic. All right. Anyway. um, So, to the ending. The ending. I thought the effect of, like, it being a wormhole was kind of fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, like, you could tell it was old-timey, but they did a good job. They got the point across. You know, I think it conveyed the idea of, like, he tre- like he was going through different realities and different or different dimensions, like, the lights yeah, and have, all that shit. Yeah, they were, shit. like, going over an ocean that was, like, a different color. And... Yeah, it was, like, it was very much obviously, like, oh, this is different. This is, he is elsewhere now. Which I think is really just the important thing to get across. That he is no longer here. Right. And then, this. alright, so I like the book going, like, he came back as, like, an impotent being to, like, protect the Earth or whatever from itself. Yeah. But what the fuck was up with the fetus? Yeah. I 
don't understand it. I thought about it. I read about it. I don't get it. I Here's my theory. I think he came back as like a watcher. Kind of like in the book. But he came back to like watch humanity. Because like, yeah, the baby had the big eyes. He was floating in orbit. And like, I think, you know, what, but I'm thinking about like, what does the baby grow into? Does. Or do you think it just stays as an infant? Like it's just a creepy, all powerful fetus god. <laughs> I like the books I think better because then it's just sort of disembodied. That was okay. <laughs> but I think the baby's supposed to be like symbolic of humanity's rebirth into like a new sort of post nuclear, oh, post violent okay. society. I get that he's like there to like usher them into it, so at least watch them and, and force them to like to to go to to Maybe turn into this. Maybe grow back into Giant Dave. Maybe it'll be Giant Dave, and he can like cuddle the Earth and protect it from itself. The chin, the size of Antarctica. But in a cleft the size of Everest. <laughs> no, I would I would go with the Marianas trends personally, but I guess they each their own. Space Dave. Each their own analogy. Space Dave. <laughs> My man. Yeah, so I think that's kind of what they were going for. I like the, that. The room season was interesting. The what now? The room that he like went through his aging in? Oh yeah, when he was like he found an older version of himself. Yeah, that was so creepy. Then he bega- became himself. And then he yeah, turned around that was a really cool and he became older himself. That was... Okay, I have very mixed feelings about this. Okay. I thought it was super cool. I thought it was like a, a, a an eerie thing to do. It was very eerie. Why did they do it? Like, what were they trying to tell us? Yeah. I thought I, that. I guess that it was maybe like, you know, you have to die to be reborn. Like, I think you do. But why through aging? <laughs> but like, yeah, why through aging? Why, why should be just like, like go into a black hole or something? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm mean, like, maybe it's like. I think and how did he experience all of that? Was it like so happish for him? Hmm. Or was that like more? Like, did he experience the time passing? Who made the food? Who did make the food? Maybe Dave made the food. Maybe Dave did make the food, but with my kitchen. <laughs> mm, interesting. I saw th- that rope he was in. There's no way that guy could deserve food. My theory is that he like he perceived the time as we perceived it. That's how it felt. Which I think is worse. In a way. Something from eight stage. Yeah, because, like, think about it, like, you know, aging is the one thing that everyone does. And most yeah. people, it scares the shit out of And I, I, I'm one of them. Like, I can't imagine my body, because, you know, I'm no Adonis, but, like, I'm in decent shape. I can yeah. trust my body to do certain things, and I know what it can and can't do. And, you know, yes. it, it hasn't really failed me. But the idea that, like, my body will, you know, start to decay, and I can, maybe I can't move my arm the way I used to do this, or maybe this, this, or that. And, like, then eventually it fails. That's terrifying to me. Imagine if you skipped through it. Yeah. When you're, like, the prime of your life. Like, your late 20s, maybe your early 30s at the latest. You're on a spaceship, one of the best of mankind. And you're on your prime of your life. And you watch yourself... You are, you are again, the masculine ideal. 
Yeah, again, yeah, and you just experience this, this aging, uncontrollable. You get that brief warning of being like, is that old me? Oh, God. Oh, uh, God, no, I'm I old me. Fuck. <laughs> and he turns around and he finds, like, is that old me? Shit! God damn it again! <laughs> I was thinking, like, so many aspects of this movie are spoofed. I don't think I've ever seen that scene spoofed, because I think it's just so unsettling and, like... <laughs> I think it's funny to think about is this like the this is the original sci-fi like in the genealogy of great sci-fi and like running sci-fi jokes this is the source of them all well yeah because like I mean it was the first like good serious sci-fi movie it's like the great grandfather of science fiction yeah like people didn't really take it seriously before that no, totally. It was always, you know, like, green heads and, like, ears popping out the side and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's plenty of cliches from, like, old pre-2001 um, sci-fi, but, like, this is... <laughs> this one's the first real deal. This is a movie that people that didn't enjoy sci-fi would watch. Yeah. They're like, ah, well, I don't like sci-fi, but I did, like, 2001. <laughs> no, like, yeah, that's really important. That, that's like, their that, butt. That bridges the gap, and everyone suddenly, suddenly they go, "What? Like maybe sci-fi is like like this? Maybe just sci-fi can be done tastefully and can be done per, like seriously." It's like I don't like superhero movies, but I did like Iron Man. <laughs> exactly, it's exactly like that. Like I, I'm not, or no, it's more like this. It's like I'm not, I'm not really into comic books, but I liked watching like you know, Iron Man. Like that was yeah, fun. exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not into like yeah, I, I superheroes, whatever. You know, like I like comic books but I'm not like someone that like goes out and like make sure they have the new issue I've never been in a comic book st- actually no I've been in one um I've been in one comic book store that my father dragged me into uh what yeah cause that no, you have to tell me that story later it was your idea so you see but dad was like oh let's go and I was like I'm okay and dad's like no you're going it was my idea I was there for this yeah it was in Pittsburgh oh. it was the comic book store on Craig anyway <laughs> so the, uh, that was a fun little thing that everyone got to enjoy. Everyone knew what we were talking about. There's so I mean, bringing up that. There's someone out there that's like fist bumping because they know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> this one person. What the the comic book store on Craig or your dad dragging you into one? <laughs> I don't know. Why both. Why don't you me into comic book stores? This one for each. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so yeah, like it's. It's it's it was a very big I think moment for sci-fi. Yes. So, that's cool. I just wanna I wanna throw it out there too, just like once and for all to the soundtrack. First of all, the vibe of watching this movie for a lot of it was similar to I don't know about you, but the feeling that I get when I go to like a classical performance, like if I go to see like Handel or something. the Messiah. I, I I would agree with that. Yeah, I. I Where think... you're like you're like listening and you're taking it in, but you're like in this meditative haze. Where you're not like, you're like your experience of time is different. And you're just like in an altered state almost. Like that's how this movie made me feel. Yeah. But yeah, no. like, there was also moments in it where I think it was when um when Paul, like, the other, you know, awake astronaut went on an EVA, at, like, after how the sides to turn, and the music's, like, all sort of meditative, 
calm and just sort of like we're in space music that they've had the whole movie and like just slightly changes to become like so suspenseful and you're like oh god shit's about to go down like the, the soundtrack was the script of the movie it was amazing yeah no, i agree with you that's actually a gr- i think that's a great way of putting it like the because we talked about how he's very much like it's very quiet like, there's not a lot of words but the fact that you know the this soundtrack was incredible and it really informed on the whole atmosphere of the movie yeah so that's like um, that's what soundtracks do in general but like this movie put it in a spotlight in a way that you almost never see yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. That the um, there was a major focus on the soundtrack, and I'm not sure if that was like a, a you know, I think that was unique to this movie or if it was a, a thing of the time, but I think today, where soundtracks are, are very much second fiddle to the the dialogue, like it, it was a night, nice, it was a refreshing change of pace. It really was. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, it was really good. I mean, like it's not like we don't have great soundtracks today, but. I we have great soundtracks because but, it was so much put in spotlight. We have great soundtracks, but like they are not—they they support the, the dialogue. They don't, and like the action, they don't um, create it. Yes, absolutely. Okay, like, CC. Especially <laughs> like there's moments where you're staring at Hal's eye, and the only thing that changes is the music, and you feel like you can see Hal's expression. Yeah, that is so. It was deeply unsettling. Like, yeah. so I don't, I'm a guy who, like, I, I always have two monitors for my computer, unless I'm, like, oh, going somewhere. So, like, I always am, like, doing something else and watching a movie. Like, I'm very rarely just watching a movie. But when I was doing this movie, I was like, all right, let's sit down and watch 2001 Space Odyssey. Because, first of right. all, we're going to talk about our podcast. This is very serious business. Second of yeah. all, you know, I wanted to give it the credit it was due, because I know it's a great piece of sci-fi. And I, so I sit down and I'm watching it. And, like, it was, one, it was, like, a surreal experience to pay so much focus to a movie. Because, like, like I said, like, I don't usually do it. But, like, I sat down here and was just watching it, paying, giving it my entire attention. And it really, like, when it was, like, a slight shift and Hal's eye was all of a sudden, like, going from, like, kind of a cheery red and, like, happy music and he's chit-chatting with Dave about, you know, playing chess to, like, this powerfully unsettling thing. I just and like so this eye like peering into my soul, that was a lot. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. Like I can't even put my finger on it. You're like I can see Hal's face. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but I can see it. Mm, right. All right. All right let's let's we, wrap this. We are at an hour. Up. I know you can't see this because you don't have a recording screen, but we're an hour, hour and eighteen minutes. Oh my god. All right. We're sorry. Um, we made you wait, but at least we came back with lots of content. Content you never asked for. <laughs> like the solo movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find us, Peter? Alright, so, so they can find us at sci-fi... Or, oh, fuck. At uh, signifyingnothingnetwork.com. Wait, what? Is that... That's slash right. sci-fi sidebar. Slash sci-fi sidebar. I forgot our URL for a second. Facebook.com slash sci-fi sidebar. Facebook.com slash signifying nothing. Um, you can email us at sci-fi sidebar at snn or wait no, sci-fi sidebar no, at signifyingnothingnetwork.com I do that all the time I do that every time it's at or snn at signifyingnothingnetwork.com there it is um, you can our right. next episode will be out uh, on July 30th talk yep. about Dune 
on my birthday. We're going to talk about Dune. It's going to be on her birthday. I'm going to embarrass her. So bad. Get ready, guys. So bad. <laughs> but don't 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 let her laugh deceive you. I muted my phone so she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so clever. It's a secret. Um. Okay. Wait. Um. I guess that's it, Cece. Yeah. I guess that is it. That was a. Uh... Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging in there. If we were a little longer than you wanted, well, we do what we want. Sorry. But not sorry. No, also. I, I'm, not, I'm not even a little sorry. We, we can't change who we are. Believe us. We've tried. <laughs> I don't even know. Really, it's Peter's fault. Send back your emails. <laughs> okay. Um, then this has been uh, Sci-Fi Cyber by the Signifying Nothing Network. A tale told by idiots. Bye, guys. Have a great week. Bye, guys.